Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, yes, it is Pi Day, P-I, Math Day, 314. There you go. Um, do the math. And yes, if you are struggling with your weight and sugar is a problem, um, have a piece of quiche. Uh-huh. Or cut the pie into eighths instead of into fourths. There you go. Everything in moderation today. Make a pie with vegetables. Have a piece of meat pie. Like, right? It, it's fine. Uh, it, it, yeah. We um, we get the challenge uh, um, that some of you, the concern that you're raising. Um, all right. If you are Finnish, uh, well, that's with two N's, and you want to tell me how to accurately pronounce mustacaparaca, mm-hmm, which is some kind of cross between a blueberry pie, a tart, and a cheesecake, mm-hmm, uh, my ears are all open. Because that thing looks delicious. Thank you, Carolyn, for the picture you sent in of that thing. And for the person who said cheesecake is pie today. Yep, you're probably right. As is quiche. As is pizza. Yes, all of you who just want to eat something circular today. Totally fine. Totally fine. Um, all right. Three quick headlines here. Pope Francis says, and this is going to surprise, this is going to come as a surprise to a lot of Catholics who thought that priests remaining celibate for life was um, you know, like a an issue of first order for Catholics. The Pope has said, oh, well, actually, that's just a temporary prescription. So the Pope has signaled that there is a potential end to the centuries-old requirement of Roman Catholic priests remaining celibate for life. Um, part of that is, you know, like recognizing that there's a crisis in the Catholic Church in terms of needing priests and the willingness of people to serve um, who are who are married or have been married. And so anyway, there's a conversation going on there. The Hill is reporting. Here's an interesting one. <clears throat> the Easter, you know, the annual Easter egg roll that happens at the, um, at the White House, right? The, the White House has an Easter egg roll. Now it's, to be fair, Easter has nothing to do with eggs or bunny rabbits or anything else. It has everything to do with Jesus. But anytime anybody's talking about Easter, it gives you and I as Christians an opportunity to talk about the real meaning of Easter. And so um, I just find it significant that on Monday, um, PETA, right, the people who want to protect animals, the ethical treatment of, anim- of animals, they sent a letter to First Lady Jill Biden respectfully urging her to... Um, uh, choose instead of using real chicken eggs to use reusable plastic or wooden eggs. Now, just to be clear, plastic eggs cause a lot more environmental issue than do chicken eggs. And chicken eggs are actually produced naturally every day by chickens. Um, They suggested maybe lovely painted rocks shaped like Easter eggs or 
um, all kinds of things. Anyway, they are concerned about the ethical treatment of chickens. In 2019, 70,000 eggs were actually donated by egg producers in America for the occasion. Um, the cost of eggs this year may be, uh, may be pushing the use of something non-traditional anyway, but there you go. Uh, anytime you see Easter in a headline, take advantage of it as a Christian and talk about the real meaning of Easter and what it's really all about. Um, speaking of capitalizing on anything that someone says in public that uh, has a theological ring to it, and as a Christian capitalizing on it, here is, there. I don't know that we've ever had a, a, a more perfect opportunity to do that. So here's what's going on. President Biden sat down with um with a host of a program called The Daily Show. It's on Comedy Central. Um and the conversation turned to which something not funny at all, uh trans identifying kids and the efforts across the country um to prevent children from making irreversible decisions about their bodies when they're still too young to vote. And to all of that, Joe Biden said, what's going on in Florida? Because Florida is one of the states that is um, barring children from making the decision um, to have life altering, irreversible surgeries and um, keeping their bodies from progressing naturally through the use of cross-sex hormones um, and puberty blockers. Joe Biden said this, what's going on in Florida is as my mother would say, close to sinful. Close to sinful? Carmen asks. Very interesting choice of words. Close to sinful? What exactly is the line between that which is sin or sinful and that which is not sin? And who sets that line? This is a worldview conversation if ever there was one. And so once you start talking about sin, once you bring up the word sin, then the door is open to a full examination of the topic. And so the question in response is, well, what is sin? And how did your mother come to understand um, what sin is? And when your mom said that something was close to sinful, like where, where was she drawing those lines? And where was she getting her information for drawing those lines? And if you bring up that which is sinful, then what is sin's corollary? What is not sin? Who defines sin? Joe, would your mother really have said that protecting children from doctors, activists, and pharmaceutical companies who want to see them disrupt the natural development of their bodies and render their bodies unable to function as God designed, would your mother really have said that was close to sinful? Beyond that, what does God actually say? Does it matter to you what your mother would have said more than it matters what God the Father has said? What does God say about the natural development of a human body versus the disrupted development or mutilation of the creation that he designed and made? He knit them together in their mother's wombs. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. What would your mother say about that? What has God said about that? The knitting together of a human being in their mother's womb. What you advocate, sir, is not just close to sinful, it crosses the line. Close to sinful implies sin, and sin is defined by the one who created the natural order of things. 
Sin is that which is contrary to God's will. So far more important than what your mother would have said was close to sinful is what the father has actually said is sinful. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This Doctor, my eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears without Christ. Dr. Jeff Barrows is back from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. I appreciate your comments about the great state of Florida and very thankful for what they're trying to do in protecting our young people. So great to be with you. Oh, it's great to have you. It's great to have you. Tell us what's going on in Virginia, where a judge has made a ruling related to embryos. First of all, remind us sort of the context of the conversation about embryos, and then share the judge's ruling. Yeah, this is just another sign of the increasing, I think, darkness of our culture, but uh, it tells us a lot about where we are as a culture today. And behind this ruling, um, there's uh, the the common story that a couple is infertile. They decide to go through in vitro fertilization. They create uh, an excess of frozen embryos. And uh, there are two in this particular case that are frozen in a clinic uh, somewhere in Virginia. And they then later decide to become divorced. And when they filed for divorce, they agreed to leave the embryos frozen. Well, a couple of years pass, and then the mother decides she would like to... um, like to implant the embryos, and the husband has disagreed. And uh, it's interesting that his argument is based on his, quote, constitutional right to procreational autonomy. I had no idea that we had a right in the Constitution uh, uh, written uh, a couple of hundred years ago that gave us the right to procreational autonomy, but that's a different discussion. But initially, the wife made uh, the legal arguments treating the embryos as property. And as Christians, of course, we believe that life begins at fertilization. And so this embryo, even though it's frozen, is life created in the image of God. And so it's it's really sad to really treat those embryos as property. But in this particular case, it gets worse because she lost the initial legal battles in arguing that the the embryos were property. So she decided to take a different approach and use Virginia law in dealing with goods or chattels. In other words, mm. uh, an old law dealing with slaves and how slaves would be divided uh, up and either after a divorce or after a death more commonly. And in that particular legal battle, uh, she got the judge to agree with her. And the judge actually ruled in this case that these embryos are or should be treated as goods or chattels. And so it's just very, very sad to hear as we as Christians, this is a u- unique human beings created in the image of God. And it's an illustration of our moral decline in our culture. And so I, I just also think about what if this mother is successful raising these children? What would it be like to be that child in 15 to 20 years and recognize that your parents argued over you uh, in the concept of both property and as, as chattel. So here, here's my request to your 
to your listeners. Uh, there's over a million frozen embryos around the country, and many of these are being abandoned or fought over, like in this case. And fortunately, there is a positive Christian thing that we can do. The couples that are dealing with infertility and they've reached the point where they really don't have much choice, I would ask them to consider uh, adopting an embryo. And you can do that. Uh, there's more information available at the National Embryo Donation Center at embryodonation.org, where, where a couple can adopt one of these frozen embryos and save them. Uh, the National Embryo Ado Donation Center has has saved over 1,200 abandoned embryos. So at least it's one way for us to be light as Christians. Embryoadoption.org um, is, the, is the website if you want to do more reading on it. Snowflake babies um, are uh, under discussion across the culture. The judge wrote in this, in this ruling, um, there is no prohibition on the sale of human embryos. They may be valued and sold and thus may be considered goods or chattels within the meaning of the code. Um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a dark day. That is a dark day in America. We're going to continue our conversations with Dr. Jeff Barrows here in just a moment from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Is there a miracle weight loss drug on the horizon? Yep, possibly so. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Do you have one of those services that helps you keep track of all the things you're subscribed to? Well, I just got my alert that my Faith Radio monthly subscription was about to auto pay and I got to click yes. When you support Faith Radio on a monthly basis, your $40 or more a month contribution helps Faith Radio be able to say yes when God size assignments um, show up on our radar. So thanks again for listening to Mornings with Carmen as a podcast. I'm Carmen LaBerge. I love spending this time with you every single day. Hey, if you are not already a monthly subscriber to Faith Radio, we'd love for you to sign up to do that today. You can text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or online at myfaithradio.com. If you're able to join us at that $40 a month giving level or higher, we're going to send you a Faith Radio Be My Witnesses to the Ends of the Earth t-shirt. So, you know, you'll be able to wear your faith out there into the world that God so loves as well. Again, thanks in advance. Text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. Apple you're listening to an encore presentation of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. All right, on this Pi Day, seems totally appropriate to talk with Dr. Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association about weight loss, something that um, lots and lots of people struggle with. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but there, uh, there is the possibility of a quote-unquote miracle weight loss drug on the horizon. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce it as terzipatide. Uh, I may be wrong, but that's uh, that's my best educated guess. It's a brand new drug, and I should make it clear to your listeners, it's not yet available. They'll get excited about it, but it's going to take some time before it becomes available. But it's an interesting history with this drug. It was initially developed to treat type two diabetes, and in fact, the researchers were concerned that it may actually cause weight gain. So in their initial studies uh, dealing with um, diabetes, they found that it helped about 50% of type 2 diabetes patients achieve long-term control, and lo and behold, it also caused them to have some fairly significant weight loss. 
So they decided to do a, an additional study uh, on how much weight could be lost. And what they found, looking at over 2,500 adults, especially those that had a um, body mass index of more than 30, which is considered obese, uh, they put them into four different groups with different dosages. And overall, uh, they had uh, a, a w- average weight loss of about 21%, which is greater than any other drug that is out there right now. And over 90% saw at least a 5% reduction in their body weight. And this was not with, without really even trying. So uh, an exciting new drug. Uh, it's really based on, uh, it's a drug that is very much in alignment with two small hormones that are produced by the intestine and kind of act like insulin. Though if you were to ask the researchers exactly what's the mechanism for weight loss, they wouldn't be able to tell you. They're still not quite sure, but it's very clear from this initial study that it does bring about significant weight loss. So Eli Lilly, the drug company that has brought it to, uh, to, uh, uh, drug approval. We'll, we'll bring it before the FDA this next month and uh, seek approval, and it'll take a few months and perhaps a year or so after that, but it's hopefully soon will become available. All right, a couple of uh, follow-up questions, because we talked a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Brett Nix about um, Olympic being used off-label for weight loss, um, and one of the concerns there was not only the side effects, but what happened when people stopped taking it. So um, is this that same kind of thing? Like once you start taking it, you have to take it for the rest of your life. It doesn't appear to be from this initial study. It's it's like Olympic, uh, Ozempic. It's, uh, it's an injection medication and you get the injection once a week, but it doesn't appear to have that initial side effect, at least in this one study that Ozempic has had. So uh, that's a positive. <laughs> Ozempic, I misspoke. Olympic came to mind, you know, because that sounded like something you do for weight loss would be go work out. Okay. <laughs> um, talk about um, what we are learning about endurance exercise and how it is tied to more coronary and another word I'm not going to try to say. Well, it's uh, coronary atherosclerosis, uh, and there, there have been some previous studies, and many of your listeners will know, they may have even gone themselves for uh, a screening test uh, where they can get a CAT scan of their chest, and what they're looking for is calcium deposits within the coronary arteries. And it's a, it's a, it's a nice generalized, uh, screening test. And of course, if, if this CAT scan shows a lot of calcium deposits, there may be concern that they have significant plaques within their coronary arteries. And so these previous studies have found that these marathon runners have a more uh, calcium in their coronary arteries than non-athletes, which is a little concerning. So this was a study where they looked at lifelong endurance athletes, and they defined them as uh, somebody who engaged in more than eight hours of cycling each week or more than six hours of running each week, and at least six months prior to that. And they called them lifelong if they started that athletic activity prior to age 30, and late onset if they started it afterwards. And of course, anybody that had less than three hours of activity per week was called a non-athlete. And then they put them through a specialized CAT scan that studied not only the amount of calcium, but the type of plaques. And in and, and short, what they found is that these lifelong 
middle-aged endurance athletes had higher calcium scores uh, again. So they had more coronary plaques. They had more unstable plaques. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're at greater risk of a heart attack, though it does kind of raise a yellow flag, so to speak. So I think the bottom line for your listeners is that if you're going to be exercising and doing more than 15 hours or 15 miles of running per week, for instance, you're not doing it for health. You're doing it for another reason. And, and that's fine. Uh, but if you're going to exercise simply for your health, my recommendation is if you do brisk walking that you do between 150 and 300 minutes a week, or if you're a runner like I am, I would do 75 to 150 minutes a week and leave it at that. Don't go any longer because there is a risk that you might be actually causing more harm than good. Mm. Jeff, as always, um, thank you so very much. You want to, um, we don't have time. I was going to say you want to give a comment on the challenges that Walgreens is facing for, uh, you know, following the law and not selling a, a abortion um, a, abortion drugs in states where it's not legal to do so. But we might have to hold off and um, and have that conversation on another time. That That's not an issue that's going away. No, it's not. And I would just ask all of your listeners to pray. There's a lot happening within the whole issue of chemical abortion around the country. Please pray. Pray for uh, wisdom and safety for those that are trying to fight this whole issue. Yeah, thank you. That's Dr. Jeff Barrows. Um, He works with the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and you can find lots of resources at cmda.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Let's take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. I guess I'm just a lucky guy And I'm prepared to tell you why Strictly on account of my sweet potato pie It's Taste and See Tuesday And so um, we're going to talk with Robert Wolgamuth. His brand new book is Finish Line And you're going to say to yourself Um Dispelling fear, finding peace, and preparing for the end of your life does not sound like a taste and see that the Lord is good topic. But in his book, um, Robert comes right out and says that it's going to be like a visit to Luby's Cafeteria. Quote, you start your journey with a tray, sliding it down the clean chrome rails, and as you move along, you see various selections. You set the appetizing things on your tray, and the others you leave alone and scoot by them. Well, we're going to have a conversation um, and we're going to taste and see that the Lord is good, even as we all acknowledge that the end is near. I don't know how end, how near your end is, but no matter what, the end is closer today than it was yesterday. So next up, Robert Wolgamuth with his brand new book, Finish Line. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Taste it. So Robert Wolgamuth is somebody that I have known for a long, long time. Um, I knew him first as the teacher of the basics class at um, First Presbyterian Church of Orlando, Florida, when we were both there in the very, very, uh, well, I was there in the very, very early 2000s. So he had uh, had already been there for a long period of time. 
Um, and um, the basics class was uh, about the basic things that she needed to know about the Bible before leaving Earth. And so when when he wrote Gunlap, which was the book prior to the book we're going to talk about today, which is Finish Line, um, when he wrote Gunlap, I was really excited um, because the basics of uh, of life before leaving Earth um, was going to ultimately lead to leaving Earth, which brings us to the topic we have before us today, and that is Finish Line. Robert Walgamuth, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> All right, I, have a, I have a question. I'm going to be out of mm-hmm. town this weekend and wonder if you uh, <laughs> could fill in in my Sunday school class. Anytime, I need a, anywhere. I need a substitute. Any, I need a great Anytime, substitute. anywhere. Yeah. that That's oh, what I so got good. to do, you guys. If you're listening right now, every once in a while, Robert would leave town because, you know, he's famous and people want him to come talk. And I would get to fill in in his Sunday school class as a substitute teacher. And well, we had a great time. We had a great time. Yeah, we hmm. did. And it's great to hear your voice, Carmen. God bless you. Congratulations on your success on Faith Radio. This is a wonderful spot. Well, you're so kind. Um, obviously, I love sharing this platform with your sweet wife as well. So, um, so much yeah. good, th- so many good things we could talk about. Let's dive in to the book. Um, first of all, I do feel like it is a follow-on to Gunlap for people who read Gunlap and thought to themselves, um, "All right, I'm I'm in the final lap, but or maybe I'm past the final lap and I'm really getting close to the finish line." This book is for them. It really is. It really is. And I just sitting here waiting for us to connect by phone. I thought of this wonderful metaphor. I have two daughters. Missy was born in 71. Julie was born in 74. And so we went to, to Missy's high school graduation. This is going to, this sounds like off the subject. It's not, I promise. So we went to, to Missy's high school graduation and Missy's younger sister, Julie, two years younger, sat there and watched all the kids who got awards, including valedictorian. And so we were driving home and Julie said to me, dad, what would you give me if I graduate as valedictorian? of my class. And I said, without thinking about it, I said, I'll give you any car you want. (laughs) And I could see her face in my rear view mirror and her eyes were as big as they could be. And she finished high school uh, salutatorian, the the second place. In fact, the kid who was the valedictorian knew all about this and came to me after at graduation said, don't you owe me something? for beating Julie (laughs) to the finish line. Well, here's the deal. This whole book is meant to inspire us. We're sitting in the audience. We're watching all this wonderful stuff happen as we anticipate heaven. And we're saying, you know what? I want some of that. I'm not satisfied to just live life in these final years or whatever, uh, just letting life come at me and not really doing anything about it. I want to be inspired and to finish well, the book is called Finish Line, but it's really about finishing well. And I'm so grateful for the privilege of doing it. It's, it is, in every sense, a sequel to Gunlap. That was about living, and this is about being ready to die. Dispelling yeah. fear, finding peace, and preparing for the end of your life. It It is really um, about finishing well. That's a good way of describing it. The book is Finish Line. And yes, if you're wondering, we are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, you open the book with scenes following um, Bobby's funeral in Orlando. Um, your 
sweet, wonderful first wife, the mother of your children, and you offer this testimony of the importance and the power of what is said and done in that time and place. Um, and then we, you know, fast forward and we get a whole chapter um, eventually on um, actually like preparing for that, like talking about making plans for your own funeral and the, uh, you know, the burial of your own body, all those kinds of things. Um, walk us around in in sort of how how this came to be for you such a significant conversation, like, you know, arriving at the place where you're like, I, I actually want to have some sense in advance of what's going to be said and done um, after I'm gone. Here's here's what that's a wonderful question. Here's what my goal is that my survivors, children, friends, whatever, will never will never say to each other after I'm gone, after I'm dead, I wonder what Robert would have wanted for then fill in the blank. <laughs> I want every I want people to know, and this is not intended to restrict them. Okay, so you mentioned a moment ago my precious wife Nancy Moss Waldemar. And when I told her that I'm doing this chapter on uh, arranging your funeral, planning your funeral, she said, well, you know, I want to be able to call some audibles. I mean, Nancy is nothing if not a program planner, right? Well, it's not intended to fence you in. You're welcome to call all the audibles you want, but at least you'll be able to answer the question. I wonder what Robert would want. So speakers, pallbearers, I've already asked my pallbearers to be my pallbearer. They've all said yes, which is a relief. Uh, where I'm going to be buried, we've we've bought our plots. You know, people are listening to this going, that's a little over-programming. No, it's really not. It's a huge gift that you're going to be giving the people who survive you. So that's that's what this is. It is, it's the anticipation of heaven. My dear, precious friend, Randy Alcorn, wrote the only endorsement that's on the back of the book. Because nobody in our world knows more about heaven, has written more about heaven, who's thought more about heaven than Randy Alcorn. In fact, just a little less than a year ago, Randy said goodbye to his wife, Nancy. And when he read this manuscript, he said, I, I'm so happy to give the endorsement. So that's, it, it's heaven. <clears throat> and I tell a story about Rick Hansen, who's a young man who broke his neck. He's Canadian. And uh, he decided as a paraplegic in a wheelchair to go 26,000 miles on his wheelchair. And when he finished... Just imagine this. When he finished, he wheeled into a stadium in Vancouver, British Columbia, with 50,000 people cheering him on. And I, I talk about heaven, you know, being, being ready for that kind of celebration when we go from the land of the dying to the land of the living. And that's, if, if when people read this book, they're motivated to anticipate heaven like that, this will be a huge success. In fact, I tell at the very end um, the story of a man that Nancy knew very well. I know his daughter very well. I have published her and her and, and his granddaughter. And uh, and when he's dying, his family's gathered in the ICU and they're cheering. I mean, like we're on the threshold of the NCAA's, right? They're cheering like their team is in the Final Four because they know that he's on his way to heaven. I mean, it's, this is like the whole idea here, Carmen, is to cha change the paradigm of how we think about death, how we think about dying, and, and the anticipation 
of of facing this uh, like Ed Heinsohn did. Ed taught at Liberty, and this is the man I'm talking about. And and he spent a lot of time in the Revelation. He knew it backward and forward, but at some point he came to the place of dying, and so his family is gathered. And instead of even though they did sing hymns and pray and stuff, but instead of leaving that at the very, very end, they realized that he's dying and they're cheering. <laughs> they're celebrating the fact that this man has lived a life faithful to Christ and he was ready. He was ready for this moment and they were cheering him on across the finish line. I just love that story. If you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, you know, I, um, I'm i feeling the stride of the last lap. I, I know I'm in the home stretch. I also know I have not done the kinds of things that Robert is talking about. I Maybe I've given some thought to where I might be buried or who my pallbearers might be or um, answering all of those questions that the members of my family, my beloved people would have um, in terms of my care as I approach the end. Um, and then what happens uh, after the end, um, after I arrive, uh, you know, at the end of this life, this is the book for you. It's called Finish Line, Dispelling Fear, Finding Peace, and Preparing for the End of Your Life. We are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Have you downloaded the free Faith Radio app? Hey, do you know that, you know, kind of like everything. It's not actually free. I mean, somebody had to pay for it. You're listening to a podcast right now and you're loving it and it's free, but you do know that somebody had to pay for it, right? So I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thank you again for listening to the Mornings with Carmen podcast. We love what we have the opportunity to do each and every day here on the Faith Radio Network. And we're in the middle of our spring fundraiser right now. We would love for you to give a gift today to keep the message of the gospel going out over this particular media. And so if you enjoy this free resource on this free app, hey, follow the giving link in the description below or visit us at MyFaithRadio.com today. You can also text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. Thanks again. Shoe flat pie. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. So thank you for all of uh, those of you texting in this morning. Um, Robert, you'll appreciate uh, this uh, this note from a listener who says, um, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by this conversation. My husband and I buried our son last July, and I, I can see him living, living in the land of of the living, like he is alive in the land of the living. Amen. Walter um, said, yeah, I've got a plan. Um, At my funeral, a Dixieland band is going to come down the center aisle playing when the saints go marching in. And so, uh, Robert, I say to Walter, you need to book the band. Like, book the the band you want in advance. So talk with us. Now, that's what I got out of the nuts and bolts chapter. So one of the cool. things, Robert, that you may or may not know about me, when I was um, 15 years old, my dad, who was 43, died of a heart attack. Um, oh, and Carmen. he didn't have a personal physician, a trustworthy attorney, a qualified accountant, a financial planner, a will. Um, you know, we did have a pastor, thank God. But he didn't, you know, we didn't have all the things that you talk about in the nuts and bolts chapter. And so um, I just want to say to folks, there, there is some intensely practical stuff 
in the book Finish Line. And regardless of your age or stage of life, you need this book. You need this book. Um, so yeah, that's so uh, interesting. When people say like, you're 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 nailing it. So who is this book for? What age? And I say, well, you're thinking like 60s, 70s, but your daddy was 43. Is that right? So that's right. It it could be any time. You know, it it may be today. The old gospel song said, "It may be today. You never know." So be ready. Amen. That's right. That's right. I loved the uh, reference to Rob Mole and um, the art of dying. Um, and and I I think that having an awareness of our own mortality, um, having an awareness of the relative brevity of life, um, it not only changes how we live, it changes the preparations that we make for not only how, you know, like how people are dealing with us when we die. Um, but this, this need, this real need to provide in advance the answers to the questions that they're going to ask. So talk a little right. bit about that. Like, cause that's really what you're doing here. It is. It is. It's, it, I talk about ready golf. So if you're playing on a, like a, a a county course that's got lots of people crowded on it. Usually you have to wait. It's a gentleman's game, right? It's a gentle ladies game. You wait until it's your turn. But if if it's crowded, you want to keep your foursome moving. So as soon as you get to the ball, you hit it, right? That's called ready golf. Well, talk about um, being ready to die means like when you were in college, if you were walking into a classroom and you were not ready for the test, how did you feel? How did you feel about the subject? How did you feel about the teacher? How did you feel about the test? Versus being absolutely ready, studying well, reading well, getting a good rest. Remember those? And then you're ready for the test. And that's really what this is. This is about calming your fears about death by taking care of what you can take care of before you die. It's just, it's as simple as that. This is not rocket science. This is pretty simple. So that's, that is the deal. You, you, you're facing death will have the way you face it and the way you feel about it will have a lot to do with how ready you are for that moment. Because guess what? It's going to happen to all of us. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every listener, one at a time, just look into their faces, are going to die. So we need to be ready. That's the bottom line. So some of the things you're going to find um, in Robert's new book, Finish Line, um, you're going to find a chapter on temple care. Uh, regarding your body, which is both a house and a temple. So you need a doctor of medicine who's going to serve as your handyman for the house, and you're going to need a doctor of theology there, a pastor who's going to serve as sexton of your temple. Um, it's really important that we have these ongoing relationships throughout the ages and stages of life. And so um, there's a lot of encouragement here to re-engage if you've become disengaged, if you've moved to a different place in retirement, you still need to engage with a local church. Um, you need to cultivate a pastor in that environment. Um, there's a nuts and bolts chapter that is just fantastic if you're a nuts and bolts person. And then there's a chapter on saying grace. And I would love, Robert, for you to um, to talk about speaking blessing, particularly, uh, I mean, I love what you did um, with your grands. So maybe just share a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Um... Blessing. So like if you sneeze and you're like on a subway or whatever, people go, bless you. But what does that mean? God bless you. Sometimes they even say. So what I've done is I've put in writing blessing for my five grandchildren. They range in age from 20 to 27. And I put it in writing and I, I thought, well, 
It's not long. You can read it right there in the blessing chapter. And I said, can you imagine the joy of me sending a copy of this book <laughs> to each of my grandkids, yellow highlighting my blessing to them. Now, this isn't the first time they've heard a kind word from their granddaddy, I promise. I love these kids. God bless uh, texting. I'm able to text them on a regular basis. My two grandsons and I are on the phone on a Zoom call every Saturday morning for an hour. We talk about life. We're going through a book together. We pray together. What an amazing gift I'm giving myself there. So yes, bless with words your grandchildren and your children. And they'll never forget it. This is a gift you're giving to them that will keep on giving after you're gone. It's an, it's an incredible opportunity. Don't miss this one. This is a big deal. Because I, um, because I know that it's going to take you uh, a minute or more to unpack this, I'm going to rush to the end. Um, and I and I am going to say it to you because I know that oh. you want to say it as well. I I really do love you. I love thank you. you Herman. Thank you. That's precious. And thank you uh, for many years. When I finish a text or an email or a letter, I say I love you. This is, you know, at some point I'm going to be room temperature and you won't be able to say that to me. Well, you will be able to say it to it, but I won't I won't hear it. So that's that's one of my final you're right, my final encouragements. Before it's too late, before we cannot speak and we cannot hear, I I hit that back to you, Carmen, with all my heart. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so proud of you, what you've done with your life. I love you. I'm grateful for you. We want to uh equip you if you're listening right now, um, to cross the finish line as a believer with no fear in perfect peace, prepared for the end of your life, and everyone you leave behind who you love, prepared as well. The book is Finish Line. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Robert Walgamuth is the author. It may be the last book he writes. It may be the last book you read. If it is, it will absolutely be worth it. I love you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. Bless you. Bless you. Likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Honey, I'm on my way. With a piece of me Yes, you should include what you want served at that meal following uh, following your funeral service. Mm-hmm. The service of celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where your life will also be celebrated, where people will say nice things about you as eulogies and songs will be sung and uh, humorous stories told. People should laugh, um, right? It's a it's a joyful event when a believer goes to heaven, and we want to make sure that people know where we're headed and that they know how we know we're getting there. All of that is in this book, Finish Line. Um, but I I have gone ahead and said, these are the things that I would like served at the event following. In fact, here are a few caterers you might use, because I don't want anything gelatinous. And those carry-in things after a funeral tend to feature a lot of things made with various kinds of jello. And I like jello as far as it goes but that i that's not what i want like let's have a substantial meal here 
Um, I like pimento cheese, but pimento cheese, you know, triangle or ham salad triangle, like, no, none of that. All right. Pie. There should be a pie buffet. Back to our original topic of this day on this pie day, 314. So what will people be serving uh, at the wake following your funeral? Yeah, you should give thought to that as well. Who's going to be there? What are they going to say? Who's going to be invited to speak? What's going to be sung? Um, And yes, if you're wondering, is there a chapter in here about assisted suicide and all the things relative to that? Yes, there is. The book is Finish Line. And um, I really, I I don't have anything better to offer you today um, than this book. So text the word book to 877-933-2484 if you want to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away. And have a great day, a piece of pie, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.